Hello, everybody, and welcome back to We've Got Mail. This is the podcast where you control the conversation right here at the Critically Acclaimed Network. My name is William Bibiani. I'm a critic. Everybody calls me Bibbs. My name is Whitney Seibold. I, too, am a critic. I contribute to Slash Film. And for the purposes of this particular podcast, you may call me Rockmeister McCool. You don't have to. But you should. But that's that's a way to write in if you so desire. It's not something I necessarily encourage. Mm-hmm. Have you? Has anyone ever like uh, referred to you as that? Like in public, what, we don't get recognized very often, but it no. has happened. It's happened a couple times. Yeah, uh, I, I remember somebody recognized me from the Schmodown at a restaurant once. Yeah, and I got recognized at a Baskin Robbins. That was pretty cool. That was weird. Yeah, uh, the the coolest time was when I was in Las Vegas and I got recognized nice. uh, by my voice. We had a a, a a listener in Las Vegas who who recognized me when I was in uh, the record store where she worked. Well, that's always appreciated and fun. And try to find us. See, <laughs> we're like, see where we are. We're like Waldo. Yeah, we're usually at home. Uh, so if you I, find I, us in public, it's it's I'm, it's weird. Say hi. But uh, yeah, in I'm, any case, I'm only either at home or like walking to and from my son's school. Like that's a, yeah. kind of the. The, the radius of, yeah. of my existence these days. But anyway, this is We've Got Mail. Uh, this is our podcast where uh, you write in, you send us uh, emails or letters, and we read them, we answer them, we answer your questions, we talk about your prompts, whatever you want us to do, really. This is your time. Uh, our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. And Whitney, what yes. is our P.O. box? Yes. If you want to send us an actual physical letter, you can send it to the Critically Acclaimed Network, P.O. Box 641565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. And as long as uh, that mailbox isn't just, like, pouring through, like, Santa Claus or something, mm-hmm. uh, we will always read those when we have yeah, them. Yeah, we, so. we, we're at a point in our, uh, our podcasting career mm-hmm. where... We receive enough, like just the right amount of letters that we can read them all. Uh, now, like physical letters. Physical letters. The emails, uh, unfortunately, we get en- enough that we can't quite read. Uh, yeah, them, yeah, but we uh, try. We we tried for a while. We even tried to do like catch up episodes and answer every single email. But yeah. after a while, we just started getting too many. Yeah, no, and we, we're, we we're still getting a lot. But you yeah, know, we'll we'll write us in anyway. We'll still we, do we still may read it. Yeah, and if it's important mm-hmm. or something, feel free to flag it. Put a yeah. asterisk next to it. Something. Yeah. But, uh, uh, but, but yeah, here, here but we, we got, got some box actual stuff. physical letters. I'm gonna like uh, crinkle them and rub the paper and let you know. And this one has a nice little zip tie thing. Oh, cardboard, cardboard envelope here. Those are always fun. And so you get to hear me rip it open here on the air. It's always always fun. A little bit of a, a tactile experience. Okay, so here's a letter inside. You get to crinkle it. You're very nice. This is from J A. Hello, J A. Hi, J A. Uh, greetings, William and Whitney. I would say season's greetings, but I'm dropping this letter off at the post office on December 20th, and I'm under no delusions that will ar- it will arrive before Christmas. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Boy, did it not. We're recording this in early January. Yeah, so we got a it while. a couple of days ago. Sorry about uh, that. So I hope you both had wonderful holidays with family, friends, and food. Hopefully the family and friends didn't become the food, but I won't yuck your yum if that's what you're into. <laughs> we just won't tell the authorities. Wink. <laughs> Let's eat, Grandma. Let's eat, Grandma. Uh... These small tokens of my appreciation for you and your work have been a long time coming. I originally got them in the summer when I unfortunately had to downgrade my pledge on your Patreon because of financial issues. Oh, oh but whatever you got Anything do. you're giving, we're grateful for. It's, yeah, and we're if not you can't, it's all good. Like, it's a lot fine, more, but, but very kind, regardless. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I elected to buy you a small gift rather than give you an extra month, and I... And that burned me heartily because I stopped two weeks before you dropped your Star Trek V The Final Frontier review on all our yesterdays. Ah! 
But decisions were made, small figures were purchased, so I moved on with no regards. I just dragged my heels for a few months and finally decided they would make a nice Christmas gift. So I hope you like my selections, assuming I was able to accurately guess who is inside the package. I had considered getting Waldorf and Statler, but I, I don't think William was cynical enough and Whitney wouldn't want me to break up the pair. <laughs> So to you and yours and to all your fellow listeners, I wish you all happiness, joy, and a very boring 2023. Because let's face it, the past few years have been so unprecedented that I'm ready for a whole lot of precedented. Sincerely, J.A. Uh, P.S. I have included my sight and sound top ten movies. Uh, I'm not as well versed in film as you two and many as or as many of your listeners are, so I hope you won't judge my selection too hardly. Do we judge? Well, I guess we, we, do. don't, we don't. No, we don't judge. We, don't. we give our comments. Yeah. yeah. We, sometimes we, we, we sometimes say, we're boo but then Some, we're fascinated sometimes you know? we're super excited sometimes mm. we're just like interesting but yeah. you know there's, there's no judgment this is all perfectly valid yeah. and we're all interested in all of them so uh, uh post postscript i did get waldorf and statler for myself nice along with all but two of the other figurines i'm a big lego fan and a huge fan of the muppets but they discontinued them before i could get the last two and there's mm. here in what this envelope in the bottom Oh, these are little mystery bags. Oh, no. Okay. Little, like, little mini figurines. Oh, which one? Oh, which They're one should we... Muppet Lego mini Ooh. figurine bags. You can have that one. I guess I'll have this one. Okay. Yeah, and uh, looks like we can get an animal, a Miss Piggy, a Kermit, F- Fozzie Bunsen Beaker, the Swedish Chef, and Gonzo. Uh, yeah, I'm going to get my, some Cross my fingers for Gonzo. Let me get some scissors. I'll, I'll just bite mine open. Oh, okay. Can... I guess that's fine. Oh, well, you know what? I can't. My old teeth aren't working. Uh, all right, I'm getting <laughs> oh, you know what? I can give you. A, I can give our listeners a little bit more of a, an aural thrill by jingling my keys to get out my Swiss Army knife. Ooh. This is a very nice Swiss Army knife. This is a gift from my wife. It has a flash drive on it. Yeah, it's one of the f- and a flashlight. It's one of the. Few I remember. That, yeah. I remember the year you wanted that. Yeah. I actually went to like a, a survivalist store, like a not like a creepy one, but like you know they had like camping gear and stuff. Yeah. And you could special order fancy knives, and I special ordered that, and I put down the money for that. But by the time it actually was available, the store had closed forever. Oh no! And they didn't warn me. They never gave me the money back, and I never got oh, the knife. So I'm glad bad. you got it. Here's right. it. Oh, I got Miss Piggy. Oh, and oh, I got I got the one I wanted. I got Gonzo. Oh, yeah, you know yeah, what? Yeah. I'm a, I think it's fair to say I'm a Miss Piggy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm actually totally fine with this. Uh, this is cool. Oh, Thank you. Yeah, oh, I'm gonna put them together right now. Okay. Yeah, I'm doing so the same. I, I, it's like a little Lego-sized figurine, but yeah. with a gigantic outsized Gonzo head. Mm-hmm. They come with little uh, platforms that you can stick them on. Yeah. And uh, Gonzo appears to come with a uh, chicken. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you go. Oh, here you can put him on the platform with the chicken. It's little Camilla here. Yeah, thank you very much. It's <laughs> my Gonzo. You go check I it out. It, there's, yeah. there's there's a little Gonzo. Oh, come the chicken. Yeah. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Yeah, that's and, really uh, nice. And there's also a. Uh, a top ten list, so I'll read Let's that read the while, while you're putting together Miss Picky. Uh, here's my sight and sound selections. I'll let you guys talk more about the obvious selections I have. Well, obvious, whatever. Uh, only uh, really say something about the more personal choices if you want to omit my commentary make, to make room for more lists. I completely understand. I'm going to read your commentary. Miss Picky uh, comes with like a magazine with her face on it. Oh, of course. <laughs> because she's a complete narcissist. Perfect. Love it. Uh, number 10, The Lego Movie from 2014. Mm. I simply adore this movie. At times it feels like the humor and the story were created with the imagination of a child. Mm. Plus, I wholly believe that it is important to continue to foster a childlike wonder and imagination as I get older. And a part of the message of this movie is having a parent learn that lesson from their son. Shame that the message didn't continue into the sequel. Uh, that's such a great movie. Yeah. That's this, one of those movies that kind of proves that like, no matter what the premise is, 
you can make you can it good. Kind of make a good movie. You're like, oh, you're gonna make a yeah. Lego movie? Oh, that sounds so. That sounds like such a sellout. Like, movie. Yeah, like such great a mercenary film. act. Genuinely great film. Yeah. Uh, number nine, Monty Python's Life of Brian, 1979. Ah. While I'm a devout Catholic and consider myself to be moderately conservative, I'm also a cynic. This movie is um, the most brilliant critique of how organized religion at times has been historically absurd. Did you know that in the medieval era there was a serious debate as to whether God would have come incarnate as a cucumber? Imagine that imagery, a pickle nailed to a cross. (laughs) With all the ridiculous humors, humor that the Pythons bring, I've written you in the past and managed to be a... We got the we got the email by, while recording this podcast, so I won't add more by saying, Hail to the shoe, blessed are the cheesemakers, and always look on the bright side of life. Uh, that, um, was a, that was a, a very popular film in my household when I was growing up. Oh, it was Life of Brian. Yeah, and, and parts of it haven't aged well, but I mm. think the overall gist of it is still great. And yeah. um, it, was so, it was so popular in my household that when I was, uh, had to give a speech at my high school graduation, mm. I didn't know what the hell to do, and there was a lot of pressure on me, like, Bibs, you can't, you can't, you can't fuck up the speech. Yeah, it's, it's got to be. My parents are going to be there. It's got to be something great. And I'm like, well, fuck. Uh, and so what I did was I, I sang "Always Look on the Bright Side of Life." You sang it. Yes, I did. Oh, that's great. <laughs> it was great. Uh, number eight is Inside Out from 2015. Great film. You mean sadness is an important part of the human experience and we shouldn't <laughs> teach kids to always be so happy? As a guy who suffers from depression and was raised being told that if I wasn't happy all the time, something was wrong with me, yeah, I me needed too. this movie when I was nine. Instead, I got it when I was 31 and it's become an ongoing comfort movie when I slip into the darker places in my mind. Yeah, that, I, I That's a really good point. I love Inside Out so no, bad. I, I had a similar kind of thing when I was growing mm. up. There was a, just a sort of, oh, are you sad? And don't be sad. Don't be sad. Yeah, be the other way. Yeah, yeah. I think I internally that too much so that's a good point i i, I hope uh, kids are taking away that very valuable message yeah. from that film uh number seven schindler's list mm. 1993 i knew i wanted to put at least one classic spielberg movie on the list and with the topic of the holocaust deniers being fairly prevalent in the news cycle of late i need to put it on the list i may be catholic but i have enough jewish blood in my family line from a great grandmother fleeing russian persecution in the 1800s that i would have been thrown into one of the nazi death camps genocide is wrong and evil we need to learn it from time to time and someone who has tried to kill off a race of otherwise uh, otherwise people will keep trying to do it uh it simply needs to stop well, well, yeah, and yeah. Um, I haven't revisited Schindler's List in a while. Mm. It's it's not a fun watch. It's not like a hey uh, kids. Let's, I mean, uh, it's a uh, it's not it's not something necessarily put on just casually. But I need I, to make I think, a point of it. I, it's been a long time. See, I, I think we need to start fighting that mindset. That it's uh, I, I want I want to put on a movie. I want to put on something fun. Not necessarily. I want to put on something challenging or sad or really really heady. So because those are also forms of entertainment. True, true. The one thing though is that uh, even at home, mm. film can still be a communal activity, yeah. and you also need to pick a film that everyone can agree on. And not everyone's going to be in a similar mood. Yeah. So I find oftentimes we default to something a little bit more pleasant. Just because easy to consume. Because yeah. I think more people can appreciate that at the same mm-hmm. time, as opposed to not everyone's going to be in the mood for Satan Tango right now. I suppose not. So I think it's a factor, but right. a fair point. Yeah. Right. Uh, number six, Planet of the Apes, 1968. Yes. Boy, howdy do I love this movie. I'll let yeah. you guys talk about this one because you're more articulate than I am. I love Planet of the Apes so Great much. Great movie. Yeah. It's... it's it, it, it somehow manages to be like equally equal parts poignant and kind of hilarious. That's like it's thing. really absurd and funny, yeah. and it's it's meant to be a satire. That's the thing that you you bring up. I think uh, I think the new Planet of the Apes movies completely lost that, mm-hmm. and I think um, the, they they emerge from a relatively grim and gritty era, especially the sequels, Dawn and War. Yeah, uh, but um, I, and, I, and I like Dawn. I like I like Dawn the best of the three. I, I like Dawn. Okay, one, but, yeah. Rise is my favorite because I think it actually tells the most interesting and complete story. All right, uh, 
But uh, of, of those three, it's not my favorite overall. I think it's the original and... Um, Conquest. Uh, You're going to say Conquest. No, it's Escape, actually. Oh, no kidding. All I right. love Escape. I think Escape is great. I think Escape is another one that's funny, but then the ending is a killer. <laughs> yeah. Like, the ending is just brutally sad. Yeah. Uh, so, no, I love the Planet of the Apes movies, and I think the original is still the best because it has the most to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah, it's just a rip-roaring piece of entertainment, and it's not afraid to be funny. Mm-hmm. It's kind of funny that we're, got, that we're doing this, and we've dressed a whole bunch of people up <laughs> in, in ridiculous costumes, and we're, it, this is absurd. Oh. We have to acknowledge that a little bit, and I think sometimes when we watch the new Planet of the Apes movies and everything is so grim and dour, we're kind of forgetting it's ludicrous what we're looking at. Yeah, yeah. It's not it's not shameful to admit well, that. We, we can make him look really real. Yeah, but it's, it's supposed fine. to be kind of look kind of topsy turvy. Like it's supposed yeah. to be apes in clothes and stuff. The mechanics of how we got there doesn't interest me. Yeah. Ever since um ever since Escape. Because uh, the bad guy in Escape, that guy from, I think he's on One Life to Live. The, the bad oh, I forget guy. the name of the actor. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, soap opera actor is the, the villain in that, uh, yeah. that movie. But he's like, okay, how did we come to be Planet of the Apes? That doesn't matter. We we, it, well, we got there, and we, <laughs> and we learned at the very end of that first movie how we got there. I think uh, kind of. We got enough information. I, I think it's relevant that the guy who thinks it's important to know how the sausage got made and like how like no no i need to know the deep dive mm. specific canonical history of planet of the apes was a villain in a planet of the apes movie. Uh, yeah i suppose so <laughs> it's kind of kind of pointed but, but ever since then conquest and uh, and yeah. war for the planet or battle for the planet of the apes yeah uh, and all the new movies yeah. are based on how we got there it's all origin story yeah but stuff. it's actually but it is actually a rewriting of the history because mm. it takes place in an alternate timeline mm. they went back in time mm. and what happens afterwards in conquest mm. and to a very different extent battle uh, does not match what we originally yeah, well, heard. So and, and it's a, a new thing. There's a huge point in between conquest and battle that they just they seriously they fudge. Just skim. Yeah. Uh, because in in Con- conquest takes place in the near future. Yeah. And there's one intelligent ape. He's the child of uh, of Cornelius and Zira. Yeah, he's actually like, in time. It's actually he actually time traveled. Yeah. With them. Yeah. And yeah. and he, he was born on present day Earth, and now it's the near yeah. future in the Earth. He's being looked after by Ricardo Montalban. Yeah. He's uh, partying over in Century City, and uh, yeah. Futuristic, the, the future they, they need a futuristic city, city, and Century City had just been built, so they filmed it yeah. there. Um, so uh, Century City is like a fancy business park, basically. More or less, yeah, like <laughs> yeah. the Schubert Theater used to be over there, but they tore it out. Um, yeah, now it's just it's just hotels and a mall, and like yeah, a few office high rises. Uh, but uh, in in this future of Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, a plague has wiped out dogs and cats. Yeah, and now people have taken to having apes around their homes because because, it's safe to have a chimpanzee in your house yeah because people people love their pets so much they couldn't imagine not having one and this has also grown to the point where people are training gorillas and chimpanzees to like serve them to to do menial labor to be like yeah to do chores and be their wait staff essentially yeah which has led to a to an oppression uh system basically and well when one of them is intelligent and can acknowledge this the horrors of it they lead a rebellion yeah uh, Yeah. and yeah caesar's intelligent well Milo, he changes his name to Caesar. Yeah. Uh, he picks, points his name out of a Bible. It's really cute. Um, uh, he leads this rebellion of apes, but they're just apes. They're not intelligent apes. Mm-hmm. They're not, you know, human... They're they're human actors yeah, and they, they're not evolved to but be. They're not the, the, they're not the yeah. clothes wearing upright speaking apes that we saw in the first Planet of the Apes movie. Mm. They're just animals, yeah. and he's trained them to use guns. Yeah, 
that's that's a big fucking tragedy right there. You just have a bunch of gorillas running around shooting people for no reason. I mean, reason. it's a hell of an image. Yeah, but I mean, uh, it's, it's pretty. It's we're talking specifically within the context of uh, the story. The justification for why all of a sudden, within a generation, not like multiple generations uh, ends, but like all, the all the other apes are have still achieved, alive, have yeah. achieved like human level intelligence. Like at some point, they yeah. the apes just became intelligent. And, and it, there's no and this isn't like the new movies that. where it's like a virus that they can catch mm. that makes them like the changes like their brain chemistry or something like that no that battle battle just doesn't make sense no no battle is it's cheap it doesn't make also, sense oh, yeah, it's not even very that, fun that one was shot in like a public park oh, it looks so, so, cheap. so awful that was, oof, that's a bad movie anyway uh anyway number five never, is... never say tim burton's planet of the apes is the worst apes movie it's, oh golly it's no. Battle. no no <laughs> okay planet, on. tim burton's at least has good makeup um yeah Number five is Rear Window. It just says best, best Hitchcock, in my opinion. Yep. Number four, King Kong, 1933. Ah. Awesome stop motion. Awesome special effects. Classic for a reason. Good special effects in that movie. Amazing. I, I, yeah. One thing I came to appreciate about that movie that people don't talk about very much is it's also like a satire of Hollywood. It's a satire mm. of safari pictures from people who made them. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and I don't know how self-aware they were, but looking back, it seems pretty critical. Mm. Uh, and I think it's interesting, so. Yeah. Uh, Number three, The Day the Earth Stood Still. That's yeah. one I love that movie. People suck. We need to get our <laughs> shit together. Whitney, say something super smart. Uh, bicameral mind theory. Um, <laughs> well done. Look it up. Um, number two, Ikiru. Mm. One of the best ever. Uh, 1952. Real world superhero story. Using whatever you have to make the lives of people better. Super fucking hero. <laughs> and number one, 12 Angry Men. Hey, good point. 1957. I once tried to put this movie on in the background while trying to write a paper in college. I handed the paper in late because the movie stole my attention. It's amazing how much this movie still holds up today, even having characters being recognizable archetypes today. I will let you guys say more about it, but I want to say any movie that actively tells a racist to sit in the corner, shut up, and you don't get to speak anymore deserves praise. Yeah, and you believe that, that was, it, that's, too. Uh, that's that they all was it Ed, Ed Begley was the... the racist character oh, i want to say it might have been was it lee j cobb no lee j cobb was number three he was like the one with the his problems with the son oh okay but he's also racist but yeah fair enough um well, i mean it's the 1950s they're all white guys they're, they're all probably, they're all they're probably all a little bit racist they're, they're probably but some are more more virulently than others yeah, I, I think it was ed, yeah. ed begley who plays the like, I, I think you might be right like he's um, got the one rant who is like we can't let he uses like these people like he uses the racist language yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I think he's i think that's ed that, begley. Th- what i love about 12 angry men is that it makes the idea that that people with really deeply ingrained toxic ideas mm. can be shamed. And that's something that I feel like I, I'm not sure I believe anymore well, yeah. based on just how just how the the world is working and, and certain uh, really grotesque rhetorics are being encouraged mm-hmm. rather than at the very least considered socially inappropriate. Yeah, uh, let, let alone just wrong. But like at the, you know, it used to be just like oh, we, you know, even if you think something that horrible, you wouldn't say it out loud. It's a horrible thing. Yeah, you would, you would are, acknowledge that. And, and now people are not yeah. only saying the horrible thing, they, but uh, they, they, they act like they're proud of it. Yeah, they, they feel yeah. like they should be respected and heard because of their horrible. No, no, no. Idea. Twelve Angry Men is about getting people who are absolutely horrible and completely set in their ways to sit down and shut the fuck up. Yeah. And it's really feels heroic. It still does. It's, uh, yeah. it's, it's one of those movies that I think, uh, and this is the United States. It's about the American criminal justice system yeah but I, I feel like anybody it's sort of like required viewing for american audiences yeah uh if if you are an adult and you can sit on a jury this is you need to see this movie because this is about keeping an open mind it's about yeah. listening to the facts it's about looking at everything it's about approaching everything 
uh, calmly and with intelligence and compassion. It, it's about not accepting every single thing that you're told mm. and questioning that in yeah. an intelligent way, not just like, well, I, I assume the prosecutor did their due diligence and they would never give us any any information that was misleading. And I'm like, no, mm. dude, you gotta, you gotta actually interrogate <laughs> so, yeah, the, the good and the bad. You know? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's about how they, they don't necessarily have a lot of faith in the system, so it's up yeah. to them to make sure there aren't any holes. And yeah, they, which is what the all, jury system all of these is, characters at, at who are best is about. Yeah, various levels of response. I can I forgot who the actor was. The guy in the hat, the sports, mm. the guy with the baseball tickets. Oh yeah, um, he, he's the one who's like is it Jack made, Warden. Was it Jack Warden? It might have been Jack Warden. Mm. Hang on, who was Twelve Angry Men? I think it was juror number. No, he was no, he was five he was, or six. He was, this is at the end of the table, anyway. Um, yeah, yeah. He's like the only one who just doesn't really have a have a I'm responsible kind of a speech. Yeah, <laughs> I'm responsible. I'm responsible. I'm saying this. Uh, okay, here we go. It's Jack Warden. Oh, it was Jack Warden. Right. Yeah, that was. I'm I'm not crazy. <laughs> That's always nice. Mm. Yeah, and a great cast because it's not oh, just uh, you know, got, it's got Jack Klugman, E.G. Uh, uh, Marshall, E.G. Marshall's in it. Yeah, yeah uh, great, great graphic. Anyway, great I, let's move on to the next letter. Let's do it. I'm gonna rip this one open. Martin Balsam was in Mitchell. He was in Mitchell. Yeah. He also he played uh, Detective Arbogast in uh, Psycho. He was in Mitchell, and but <laughs> he came back to play Detective Arbogast again mm-hmm. in The Silence of the Hams. Yeah. One of my favorite spoof movies from the early '90s. Admittedly, that one's pretty uh, cool. And, but he he's like dressed in the same outfit. He plays the same role because that's kind of a spoof of Psycho. He yeah. Goes back to the same house, but he his character is named Martin Balsam. Like he just, oh, I'm Detective Martin Balsam. I wish <laughs> like I thought that movie was as funny as you do. <laughs> it's got some good gags. It's. it's dude, that, I'm glad that's you. A, I'm glad you watched it. I am it's glad definitely I on it. my way. It was definitely worth finally getting around to. All right. Anyway, here's another letter, and this one's in longhand. I like Ooh. that. Um, this one comes from... Let me see who signed it off. If, if you don't sign off your letters, it's from yeah. Redacted. Yeah. This one comes from Dylan. Hey, Dylan. Well, thank you for writing in, Dylan. It says, uh, Dear Bibbs and Rockmeister McCool, uh, it's the time of the year when many publications... Up, oh, this is another best of the year. Put That's out their great. best of the year lists. But what interests me in, is the discourse around the various worst of the year lists. Ah. Many people argue that writing such lists is distasteful and argue that such films are difficult to make regardless of their quality and shouldn't be disrespected in these publications. Well, I think it's possible for critics to be over overtly castigatory of films, I think such lists are valuable. Depending on your disposition, you can view them as anti-recommendations, like signs pointing out a minefield meant to be avoided, hmm. or as guiding lights towards trash cinema to be consumed with reckless abandon. Also, they can provide a blueprint for our contemporary values and how these films offend those values. So that, I, I agree I, with I, all these I, points. So far, yeah. I agree with all these things, yeah. Uh, with that said, what's your opinion of such lists? Do you think such lists are positive influences on society? Furthermore, in honor of these lists and the recently released Sight and Sound poll, I've decided to include my top ten, or bottom ten, worst movies of all time. Mm. Uh, I included these. I included this list with the caveat that I'm only 28, and I have largely focused my film watching on the best films of all time and not the worst. Yeah, that's... So, Manos, The Hands of Fate will not be on my list. Sorry, Bibbs. Uh, uh, do not apologize. You dodged a bullet. Yeah, <laughs> don't watch that if it's not the mystery there, science. There, there are a variety. I, I've of never made it through it. I've oh, never seen no, all of no, no. all of my notes without I, I, the I have, and I don't know what was wrong with me. Like there's there's certain movies where we've interviewed Joel Hodgson, uh-huh. and uh, he, he even he was talking about how Manos the Hands of Fate was like we 
we bit off more than we could chew <laughs> with that one. That was like legitimately difficult to make that episode. Yeah. Um, yes, there's some movies that are like you. I, I, I you try watching Santa Claus Conquers the Martians without the MST3K commentary. It's so dull. <laughs> Sometimes they're just dull. They're not even uh-huh. like they don't even make you mad. They're just legitimately just hard to sit through. They do not keep your attention. I've, I've seen a lot of modern filmmakers saying this is like a throwback science fiction movie to the days. Of, if, if it was really a throwback, like seventy percent of the scenes would take place in one lab set, yeah, and people would just be like looking into uh, tubes and saying things like, "Oh, and it's grown today," you know, yeah. things like that. Yeah, fair point. Anyway. Uh, let's see, where was I? Um, I'm only, only 20 minutes, The Hands of Fate. Uh, hands so in reverse fate. order, starting with number 10, okay. my worst films of all time. Okay. Are. Number 10, Black Christmas 2019. Oh, oh. I like this movie. That's okay. <laughs> Okay, I, I admit that my only issue with Black Christmas is it didn't have a big enough budget. Well, like, that's like fair. It, it's it's cheap budget, like kind of hurt it yeah, a little you're bit. You're not wrong. Yeah. You're not wrong. Like it's, the script is fine, but yeah, I think yeah, we'll, they could. Let's hear the. I know this will be controversial with the two of you, but this film is a pale imitation of the original. Mo- mm. Modern college students do not talk like this, and the messaging is so confused. I respect your opinion, but I heartily disagree. Um, uh, the messaging, I think, is pretty clear in that movie. Yeah. Toxic masculinity is a literal substance in that movie. Yeah. That boys drink. It's not. A, it's not. But I think the. Idea idea is that toxic masculinity is real yeah and they they literalize that in a very weird way um i appreciate that the new black christmas the newest one because they remade it in the early 2000s mm-hmm. it's not a good movie but it is fun to watch um i, I think i saw that black christmas. it's 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 a mess they That's chopped fun. it up in post mm-hmm. it's still fun uh, but it's not a very good movie um i actually think that first off it's not trying to be the original black christmas it's doing its own thing I respect that. I think that's fine. Mm. Uh, but it's also... The original Black Christmas was also about misogyny. Uh, the, a big part of that movie was Olivia Hussey's character uh, is pregnant and she wants to have an abortion and her boyfriend doesn't want her to. Mm. And he becomes... Either he is the killer or he's indistinguishable from it. Yeah. Is the question. And so... Uh, the movie's vague, so I'm not gonna. I'm not really mm. ruining anything. But um, I think Black Christmas just takes those things and foregrounds them. As for how the characters speak, I know a lot of young people who speak that way. So I don't oh, think yeah. that's. I don't think that's um, necessarily something that we can declare very easily that people don't speak this way. Yeah. Because apparently some people do because they wrote the dialogue like that. Mm. So also, I had a I had a professor in uh, film school who had a point about. Writing movie dialogue, and how there was like this. You've said this before. I but, like this story, and and it's and it's a fair point, I think. And it's not you know it's not universal. You can we can differ on this. And there are lots of great movies that break this. I'm not going to call it a rule, but this seeming guideline. Mm. But um, you know, good dialogue should sound like people really really talk. And my professor had a point where. If I wanted to hear people really talk, I wouldn't be in a movie theater. I want to hear people talk interestingly. Yeah. I want to hear them say clever things. And so, yeah, a lot of great movies don't follow that, but a lot of great movies do. I don't nobody talks like they do in a Howard Hawks movie. <laughs> but I like it when they do, yeah, so I don't yeah. mind it. But I, I know I I know not everyone's a fan of that movie, and of course it's being compared to one of the best horror movies of all time. And it is. Mm. The original Black Christmas is is unassailable as far as I'm concerned. But I still think that's an interesting film, and I think time's going to be kind to it. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, um, yeah. I know that it it got some. A lot of people did lot, not want to give that movie a chance. I'm not saying this is a, it, this yeah. is that instance, but a lot of yeah. people just refused to see it out of hand. So, uh, number nine. Oh, and this one also stings. Oh. Spaceballs. 
Ooh, this is a, worst uh, ever. This, this is, is a bold list. Is, yeah, Spaceballs is one of the worst. This is the forerunner of the Friedberg Seltzer parody films Ooh. and commits the paramount sin of comedy films being unfunny. Uh, oh, I don't know, man. <laughs> I, I, comedy's subjective. Comedy is subjective. Somebody can watch. I, I, of course what? it is. That's true. I uh, One of our favorite comedies is a film called Brain Donors. Yes. It's a Dennis Dugan film from mm. the early 90s. It's, it's a, a riff uh, on the Groucho and uh, on the whole Marx Brothers. whole Marx Brothers yeah. shtick. They, yeah. they hired a, like a Groucho type, a, a Harpo a type okay. and a Chico type. Yeah. And, uh, it's John Turturro. It's, yeah, John Turturro plays the Groucho part. Uh, Bob Nelson plays the Harpo part. And Mel Smith yeah. uh, plays the, the Chico part. Very funny. And they, and they kind of nail it. They mm. have this sort of new updated version of the Marx Brothers. It's very, very funny. I watched it with my wife. Stone-faced the entire time. She did I, see, not I, I watched movie. it with my partner and mm. they thought it was hilarious so it's but it's, yeah, it is, it's, it's all subjective yeah it's all subjective Co- comedy is very subjective yeah. is there uh, any more to it beyond that or just uh well then there's number eight all number, right just uh, just real fast i think there's some i think there's at least some funny bits in Spaceball, uh, you, you, personally. Have to, you have to chuckle at, at at the very least at the opening shot okay which is uh spaceball one uh-huh. where did you like the, the opening star wars crawl yeah, and yeah, then yeah. like the the star destroyer kind of flies into being Spaceball one the, the evil bad guy's ship when you have this kind of jaws like music da, 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 and it floats into frame this pointy thing and it keeps on floating through and the shot goes on for like <laughs> two and a half minutes that's the just, ship just keeps coming that's an exaggeration and coming and coming. but it goes on a really long it's, time it's yeah. a long long time yeah. for me it's the uh, it's the bit where uh, they watch the movie Spaceballs to see what's going to happen next see that that's what I think that's it just a, tips into genius quite frankly I think that's but, yeah. a brilliant gag but okay. anyway it's, it's fine yeah, I will, I will say this it's, it's perhaps not as an, it, Mel Brooks, when he was doing Blazing Saddles and uh, Young Frankenstein, which came out the same year, uh, amazing year, <laughs> holy yeah. crap! Uh, but both of those movies were aesthetically uh, in keeping with the films that he was trying mm. to uh, mock. Yeah, uh, Star Wars, not so much. He's not. He's I, I not really not, keeping but, uh, up with Star Wars, and so I don't think it. And I think that maybe was like kind of like a slight downward spiral for, where like Robin Hood Men in Tights is not keeping up with Robin I, Hood Prince I, of Thieves. And Dracula Dead and Loving It is not keeping I, up with Prince. And it just it I'm, feels I'm strangely. I have a strange, more like a sketch than a yeah, movie. I, I have a, a very strange weakness for Dracula. I like uh, I chuckle at his Dracula. I, I think, a lot, I think but, huge swaths of Robin and Prince of Thieves are funny, but it's uh, let's, uh, I'm not going to pretend. Well, it's Men in Tights. If you he did a sitcom in the seventies, Men in Tights. Mel Brooks did a sitcom in the 1970s called When Things Were Rotten, which yeah. was already his Robin Hood spoof. He had done it yeah. already, and yeah. and I saw that already. Yeah. And Men in Tights is all the same gags. Right. There's, like, almost no new jokes in that movie. It's all recycled shit. Well, it shit. wasn't terribly well-remembered. I don't recall anyone even mentioning oh, it at the time. No, yeah. but, you know, it's, it's like you did these jokes 20 years ago, and they feel 20 years old. Well, they get, yeah. Brush the dust off and write yeah. some new jokes. Anyway, moving on. Uh, number eight is Bambi. <laughs> this is a bold list. This is the only film that could make me so readily anticipate the shooting of a deer. This is one of the biggest snooze fests of classic cinema. Um, I haven't seen Bambi. You've never seen Bambi at uh, all. I think I saw it as a child, but you know, you've seen so, Godzilla versus Bambi, though, right? I've seen Bambi meets Godzilla as okay. the title by Marv Newland. Yes, I've yeah. seen that film numerous. One of times. the best sequels. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Um, I couldn't speak to like sort of the pacing of the characterization. I only like Bambi, remember very detail. I haven't seen Bambi in forever. I keep meaning to get back around to it because structurally speaking, it is odd. Mm. It is a very, uh, uh, it, it's much more experiential than mm. it is about storytelling or plot. Uh, but I haven't revisited it in a while. The pacing might simply be a little off in my estimation, right. but I can't, I can't speak to it in a while. It's been, a, it's All been right. a really long time since I've watched it in its entirety. Uh, Number seven, only God forgives. Okay, I think I'm yeah, good on this one. Yeah, this one I'm not. Like John Wick, if everything, uh, 
if everything cool and redeeming were removed. Yeah, that's just empty style. That, that I, yeah. it, the style is neat, but yeah, yeah it's, it's all pretty. That, the, the neon hell is kind of fun. But I think Kristen Scott Thomas. It's Kristen Scott Thomas in that movie, right? He plays his mom. Yeah, I think she's yeah. having fun. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I wouldn't call it the worst ever, but right. like, it's not a good movie. Okay, in my experience. Okay, here I'm with you. Number six is Space Jam. Yeah, this Sp- one Space Jam is yeah. a turd. Um, my ex-girlfriend showed me this expecting I would love it, like she did. This is truly one of the most cynical exercises of, of brand crossover in the history of Hollywood, on top of it being garish. It's just it's ugly, caustic, yeah. cynical product and, and movie. I, it is I, a terrible, terrible film. I think it's the epitome of what Alonzo Duralde said. Uh, is it great or were you eight? Because yeah, a lot of people are fond of that because they saw it when they were yeah, children. And, I, and that's perfectly valid. You know, No one can take that away from you. But I, I agree. I think it's a weird, frustratingly cynical exercise. And actually, it would be a great double feature with the Lego movie, which proves oh, that just that... because you can make a good movie out of something doesn't mean you will. You're going to, yeah. Yeah, and so, no, I'm with you on that. And I think Space Jam is also... Uh, a good example of a movie where I think a lot of people assume that if a movie is in some respects competent, it can't be bad. And I don't think that's oh, wow. true. I think oh. it can be competent in the service of something terrible. Absolutely. And I think there's there are parts of Space Jam which I don't think are competent, but even the parts that are in service of a really not great yeah. narrative or theme. Uh, number five, Independence Day Resurgence. Uh-huh. One of the few films to leave me angry after watching it. I've never seen a film so misunderstood by its own director and so... Uh, so recreated in its sequel. Plus, they wasted Jeff Goldblum and Judd Hirsch. Yeah, that that's kind of a forgettable. I, I was I was relatively kind to money. that movie when it came out. Uh, there are things that don't work in it, and I don't like. But mm. um, it's not very good. No, no it's, it's just not, not very good. good movie. No. Uh, number four is The Ridiculous Six. Okay, that's that a bad movie. movie. That's a really once my worst oof. film of all time. This film is the embodiment of Adam Sandler's wasted talent and the antithesis of a great film like Uncut Gems. Yeah. um... To be fair, he he only acted in Uncut Jams. That's true. Ridiculous um, Six is the kind of thing he just makes because he thinks it's funny. Yeah, Adam Sandler is a contradiction because by all accounts, he is like the kindest, yeah. most decent human being you'll ever meet. I've never heard anyone say an unkind word about and, him as a person. And clearly uh, people like working with him because the same actors keep yeah. coming back and he work with really him. He gets really good actors again, for his, even his shitty. He's got Susan Sarandon for That's My Boy. I mean, uh, like Pacino's in, in oh Jack God, and Jill. As himself! As himself! And he rats. I know. Like, oh my so god! You have faith you have to of, have in somebody to do that. So Adam Sandler yeah. has some kind of magic, and that he's able to relate to people. Yeah. But that translates to like the worst possible comedies. Yeah, he's made a few. I, there's made a few that I've liked, especially at the beginning. I think Hubie Halloween is actually rather good. I missed Hubie Halloween. It's actually it's a sweet film, and I it saw, mostly it mostly works. I like that movie. I saw some of his early his films back in the '90s. Like I saw Happy Gilmore. I think that one has some. Happy fun Gilmore's bits funny. In it. Uh, 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 the Wedding Singer is quite. Good. Wedding singer's sweet. Uh, th- there's some good stuff in his mm-hmm. in his canon, but he just cranks them out, and most of them are terrible. Yeah. And Regular Six is lower echelon. I'd still say I'd still put like Jack and Jill or That's My Boy below it, but it's not. Good. That, yeah, that's my boy. But that's that's a that's a bad echelon to be. In. <laughs> that's not good. Hey, uh, number three is The Room. Yeah. Uh, simultaneously one of the best and worst films I only watch this movie when I want to corrupt others to its wonders. I I love it and I hate it at the same time. Uh, it it. The wave on the room sort of passed. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, it, it, it's it no spent, longer. It spent a long time building. Mm. Uh, commercial Hollywood felt that it could kind of like tap into it. It became this cultural phenomenon for like a year, mm-hmm. and they they did that move the movie um, disaster the disaster artist. artist. And I think that and, killed it honestly. Yeah, I think that, after, that at that of, point you you can kind of take it seriously, and then it just no one wins yeah. anymore. They wanted the Schadenfreude. 
Um, I, I think it's too amusing to be one of the worst ever made, but whatever. It's, I mean, it, it's it, not good. It's, it's amusing just because it's, it's so, so peculiar. Yeah. It's like really strangely made. Yeah. Uh, you can't really understand what Tommy Wiseau is getting at. And if you start delving into that movie, you realize just how fucking sexist it is. Oh, it's gross. Yeah. yeah that's it's like, very gross. He has some pretty gross ideas in that yeah. movie. Yeah, agreed. Um, I... I it became a cult phenomenon, but unlike something like the Rocky Horror Picture Show, where the people who go, who's, go to see Rocky Horror genuinely have really, affection really for love it, yeah. Rocky Horror. It's, yeah. it's strange, but it has good music. It has you know, yeah. outlandish characters. It, you get to dress up in those costumes. Yeah. It If you watch it without an audience, it's sluggishly paced. Oh, I, I still like it without an audience. Okay. I, um, I, it, it's, it's, it's more fun It really live. dips in the middle. Yeah. So, uh, the, the, the argument has been made that the dinner sequence is like the most boring scene. Uh, it ends well, but the, it, until then, it's the most boring scene in like movie yeah. history. It kind of is. It kind of is. <laughs> that's, the, if, that's the nadir of the movie. If you go to see Rocky Horror Live during the dinner scene, that's when the, the cast just gets a break. They actually like sit down and eat and start chatting and making yeah, it out on stage. It's like it's, they're not reacting no, that scene. There's nothing going on. It's, it's bad. But yeah, but the, the majority of the movie I quite like. The, the difference between Rocky Horror and The Room is the people who see The Room don't have a genuine affection for it necessarily. Uh-huh. Uh, if you go... Uh, one of our friends, Mark Edward Hoyk, went to go see it live, and it was just noise. Yeah. People are just like screaming and jeering and saying stupid stuff and like throwing the spoons at the There's screen. No artistry. It, it to wasn't. The, yeah, to it wasn't like in, yeah. interacting with it and enjoying sort of this weird yeah. movie. It was like we're just gonna laugh. We're at just gonna it. be better than this. Yeah, and yeah. The, there was kind of a caustic attitude that he didn't like. I, and, I'm with you. I don't think yeah. it's the best. But ironically, I think yeah. the room is actually interesting on its own. So I'm not it's saying a, it's good, but I think it's interesting. No, no, it's, it's, it's an interesting. It, it is quite bad. It's an interesting watch, that's uh, for sure. Number two is Deathbed, the bed that eats. Oh, uh, the, truly, guy, the guy who directed that just passed away. Oh, did he? I don't oh. think you could have known that by the time you mailed that. No, it was like a day okay. ago. But like, uh, yeah. Truly a baffling film. It's like every decision in making it went through an ancient computer with tape decks for memory that had zero Zero conception for what a human was. Plus, it's so cheap that the horror becomes laughable. It's it's a very strange film. I actually really like that movie on an unironic level. <laughs> I think I mean it's bizarre. I think it yeah. knows it's bizarre. Yeah, it's such a. Um, it takes this extreme. 70s art house vibe mm. uh, the most pretentious 1970s art house vibe you could possibly get and applies it to a story about a haunted bed that eats people then it eats people and it eats people by like creating this like yellow foam that just it, it, di- it digests them, them. Yeah. yeah but like it, it just like, like chew- but there's yeah. chewing sound effects while know, it does so that. fucking weird I admire just how completely unapologetically artistically strange that movie is yeah, and I quite yeah. like it uh, and I think if you've never seen it, see it for yourself and keep an open mind. You might genuinely like it. You might also think it's so preposterous that it's laughable. It's, I think that's a fair response. But you might genuinely like it, and I encourage you to give it a shot. It, it's strange and it's unique. I'll say yeah. that. Um, and number one, the worst film of all time, uh-huh. is Cats. Uh, oh, never before in Hollywood yeah. history has such a terrific train wreck been made. I saw this opening night, and half the theater walked out. I brought a flask of whiskey in case I needed it, and I had drunk it all before the Taylor Swift had showed up. <laughs> I never seen a movie uh, that simultaneously kept me riveted to the screen and bored me un- and bored me more until yeah. this film. I uh, thank you for your time and would like to hear some of your worst movies of all time. Hoping this film finds you well, Dylan Weaver. Uh, P.S. Sorry for the long letter. I have strong opinions on bad films. Hey, and listen, fair enough. And while we disagree about some of those movies, uh, to your first point, mm-hmm. um, I actually do believe that there is value to discussing what a film critic, or what anyone really, Hmm. uh, thinks is not just the best, but also the worst, if only because it provides context to your opinion. It provides context, uh, and it provides context for cinema at large. Yeah. Uh, I've noticed this before in the past, but uh, everyone's... 
like you look at the sight and sound poll list uh-huh. and a lot of people thought Jean Dielman was one of the best movies of all time. Yeah. Put it on their top 10 list. Yeah. Um, it was brought to my attention by B. Peterson, one of our uh, longtime listeners, uh-huh. uh, that Simon Lang uh, submitted his list and he chose one of his own movies. <laughs> Good for him. Simon Lang chose Goodbye Dragon Inn as one of the best movies. You know of all time. what? The 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 I admire the gall. <laughs> I, I really do. Like seriously, good for you. I wish I had that healthy of an opinion of myself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you're talking about Goodbye Dragon Inn, which I actually put on my own top ten list yeah. uh, this time around, yeah. um, I have no problem with that. But yeah, yeah I, I feel like. Uh, when you're sort of putting together a top 10 list, you're getting sort of a broad spectrum as to the texture of what cinema is capable of mm. that year. Yeah, uh, in at a, its in best. A given, at its best, yeah. And w- what kind of films are we are we making now? What kind of films are we drawn to? And I think it is equally useful, yeah. maybe even more so, to find what the worst films are. What, what are mm-hmm. our lowest opinions right now? Yeah, this is what I don't like about this. And, and listen, I appreciate that there are a lot of shitty uh, uh, worst of the year lists that are just... Cheap shots at low-hanging fruit. We talk about the Razzies constantly. And about oh, the, the, how, the Razzies are kind I, of the, the prime offenders well, of this. I, I, think, but, yeah. I think they're a good example of how to do it wrong. Because mm. although occasionally they've, they've actually singled out films that are legitimately deserve singling out, usually they just pick the most obvious shit. Yeah. And they just punch it while it's down, and it's not interesting, it's not brave, it's just... Well, it's, not criti- it's not criticism. No, it's not. And I think that's And I think that sucks, and I'm not a fan of that. But... I think it is possible to discuss what you think is going wrong Mm. with a work of art or even a a, a trend in the industry or the industry as a whole and say that in a healthy and productive way. And obviously it's, it's purely subjective. People will disagree with you and that we disagree with quite a few films on that list. uh, And that's perfectly fair. Uh, But I do think it is possible to do this in a healthy way. And I do think there's a frustrating tendency when we talk about how uh, two things. One, um, you know, it's the end of the year. Let's just try to focus on the positive. I'm not going to participate in erasing history within a year, let alone at all. I don't like that. But like, I don't want to like ignore the fact that, no, we had a lot to learn from this year and every year. Like these are films that are problematic or or of a frustrating trend or something that we really need to keep an eye on because we don't necessarily want cinema to turn into a wave of this or just we think it's quite bad and we think it's worth mentioning and discussing well there's also there's also a personal reason you know as critics we see a lot of movies and we see a lot of bad movies we're you know do we want as, to just as critics, pretend we don't that didn't happen? Yeah, we don't necessarily have the leeway to just say, oh, I don't see the movies I'm not interested in. We don't have that luxury. No. I, you know what I had to review this week? I had to review a film called Plane. Yeah. Uh, it's a Gerard Butler film that came out in January. You know yeah. everything you need to know about it now. And, um, <laughs> d- could I avoid Plane? No. I had yeah. to see Plane. That was, that was an assignment of mine. So mm-hmm. if I saw Plane, and I think Plane is terrible, I now have, at the end of the year, this wonderful little moment to blow off a little steam yeah to say i saw a plane i had to i had to so you didn't it's crap yeah i mean and, it, but yeah. if it was good you would have you would have good i would have said something yeah. but the other thing uh, that's an argument i hear uh, against you know worst lists mm. and even just negative criticism in general is it's hard to make a movie and mm. uh yeah i don't think that means you're you, you, you there should you're, be no criticism well, there's, also, there's, there's a danger there where you basically invalidate any actual criticism because mm. it's hard to make a movie it's well, hard to do a lot of things if it's hard to make a movie what are we praising when we give a positive review or just how yeah. hard they worked yeah like are, are we just gauging a level of 
toil. I, I accept that it's hard to make a movie, but I also accept that once you've made a thing, you're responsible for it mm-hmm. to one extent or another. It is a, 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 a collaborative effort. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, a, a, an, anal- a, an analogy I use a lot is it's hard to be a plumber. I couldn't be a plumber. I don't have a, I don't have a practical enough mind to understand how that works. Oh. But if a plumber comes into my apartment at, to like fix a leaky faucet and they flood my apartment, I'm giving them a bad Yelp review. Right, right. Then, yeah, it's hard, but you didn't do a good job of it. Well, and the one that really galls me is uh, a, a filmmaker or an actor will say, well, you know, a, a critic who gives a bad review, it's based in resentment. They, uh, they are yeah. not filmmakers themselves and mm-hmm. they must want to be if they're film critics. Sure. Uh, completely missing the fact that we want to be film critics, that criticism yeah. is, is the art unto itself yeah it's an unusual art and that it's predicated on the art of others but if you want to expand that notion anyway and isn't every work of art a criticism of something that came before it even if it's just life yeah yeah. you know here's here's what i feel about life Mm. Uh, art reacts to other art and our art just reacts to other art film criticism is as a career not an easy go of it there's no no real money in it (laughs) there's no actual money in it most of the time uh, and it's we're, it's the, the, and we're incredibly unpopular. Yeah, so it's it's uh, you y- you choose to do that. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a choice. But anyway, uh, I have complicated feelings about we we stopped doing worst of the year list because it just wasn't worth the bother. Well, uh, also we're things move so quick. We just get yeah. on to the next. We, we, we kind of so. want to get on to the next one, but we we uh, I support well written yeah. worst of the year lists, and I think mm-hmm. uh, it can be a useful tool in understanding a critic, and also understanding a year in the art form, where otherwise we're kind of erasing everything we don't like about it, and I don't think yeah. that's healthy. So, but again, like anything, it can be done really badly, and there are a lot of worst well, of lists are... that are genuinely worthy of criticism. Again, like the Razzies. Uh, the, and the frustrating thing is, if somebody makes uh, like a bad faith, really kind of lazy mm-hmm. um, worst of the year list, they got you know, pilloried, yeah, well, well, and, rightly, and rightly so. And yeah, that's worthy of but criticism. If somebody makes a really lazy best of the year list, they're going to still sort of get a pass for being positive. Because, of, and, because yeah. all they're doing is sharing their opinion. Yeah. And it's like, eh, I mean... So there, there's a little bit of a double, double standard, I think. A little bit. But yeah. anyway, uh, we should we should move all on. Right. We haven't even finished our P.O. Box. No, here's yet. so we have another one here. Um, it, it says on the envelope, oh, one more top ten list. So we're going <laughs> to be on this one for a little while as well. But it comes we, with a card. Ooh. ooh, it's got a dodo bird on it. What? Oh my God, that's lovely. Oh, dodo bird is Great. the first known species to have been eradicated by human beings. Oh, that's that, that, a bummer, That's why it? its extinction is so notable. It was just yeah. killed off by people. Yeah. And, and for fun. It didn't, it like, yeah. it wasn't useful. It wasn't a tasty bird. Yeah. Just a big, silly-looking bird and that people hunted. because we're monsters. Hunted because we're monsters and we're bored, and we killed off the whole species. Yeah. So, first instance of that happening. <laughs> Of a start to a letter. Well, uh, no, I think that's really interesting. I, I, I think like it's not that, interesting. Yeah. It's just I'm not. Sh- I wonder if. The- but yeah, there's, so there's a dodo bird. It's, I think uh, they're cute. Uh, hello, Bibbs and Whitney. It's Fab. Oh, hello, Fab. Hi, Fab. Uh, I've been meaning to write you guys about the sight and sound poll. Uh, here's my list before b- below. Excuse me. Okay. But not. Uh, just note that I made my list before the results were released in December. Ah. Also, I'm now 37 years old, bisexual, and have studied set design at FIDM. I'm Ooh. a current student of journalism, though. Oh, that's very Excellent. exciting. Long-time film enthusiast. I have no particular order. So, mm. just like Sight and Sound Pull, they, they, they don't have to be in order. Yeah. Uh, Boogie Nights. Ah. The first movie that came to mind when making this list. The Wizard of Oz. Oh, but no, that's, that's all there is to it. Yeah, yeah. Boogie Nights is a hell of a lot of movie. 
It's a it's, lot of movie. Yeah, 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 it's a Dagwood sandwich of movie. Yeah, like it's, it's just so much. It's, it's almost too much. Like yeah. a, a lot of people focus on that Wonderland sequence where they go to Alfred Molina's uh, yeah. apartment. It's like. You know, we kind of came to the conclusion of the movie. That whole sequence is like, we just need to wrap things up, and it goes on and on and on. I, 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 it, it feels weird in a pacing I, I sense. It, I, I think it crests, but yeah. fair enough. Uh, the Wizard of Oz, the MGM Titan. The M- classic. Uh, it's one of the most iconic and influential yeah, movies it's ever. it's one yeah. of the best. Yeah. Star Wars, the original one. Yep, great movie. Uh, Itumama Tambien, oh. one of the greatest coming-of-age movies, and one of the best Mexican fil- films ever. I've actually never seen. You haven't. No, I'm, t- I, I'm remiss. T- t- I've heard amazing yeah. things. It's one of the, it's one of those great movies I haven't yeah. got around to yet. Here's a movie I haven't seen. Gentlemen prefer blondes. Oh, uh, surprise! Yeah. Not many people picked Marilyn Monroe movies for their top ten. This one is one of my choice for classic comedies with strong female leads. Did something like uh, it hot make the list? I feel like it should have. I don't recall. I would, I'm gonna I'm gonna look because I'm curious. It feels like that's a weird. Granted, there's no shortage of great movies, but mm. it feels like that'd be a weird one to leave yeah. off. Uh, next up is City Lights. Oh, great! To represent black and white movies and Charlie Chaplin. Uh, one of the one of the great Chaplin movies. I, maybe the great yeah. Chaplin movie. Uh, here we get into the the heavy the heavy hitters. Tokyo mm. Story. I think about this movie all the time. Yeah. See Tokyo Story. I mean, it's seriously, wonderful. just see Tokyo Story. It's uh, just a some, some of those like big art house film school movies that they keep talking about. They're they're talked about a lot for a reason. A lot of those movies. Yeah. See Tokyo Story. That, yeah. Uh, Eraserhead, one of my favorites. Yeah, uh, the David Lynch movie that that deserves to be in top in the top ten. Um, Evil Dead. Yeah. I wrote this before December, and this is for horror representation. It says Evil Dead. I assume you mean uh, the 1981 film, honestly, and think, not necessarily the remake. I think they're both great films. Uh, mm. I think the the remake is the remake is actually like largely within the horror community as I've seen it, been celebrated as one of the better horror remakes. Uh, because uh, as, it's, as it's horror great. remakes go, it's but, pretty yeah. great. I mean, so the, if, you, the, the, if it is the remake, I'm not going to begrudge yeah. you that. But the original is the story is interesting. Uh, the, movie, the, the best part of the remake is just the the blood and the gore. Like the gore is amazing. People are peeling yeah. skin off and slicing their tongues. It's really cool. Yeah. And uh, oh, and number one. Uh, well, I got number one. Just the tenth on this list is Casino. Ooh, oh, great movie. choice. Uh, hot take. I think it is superior to Goodfellas. You know also, what? great I, costumes and story. Dudes, thank you for reading. Fab. You know what? I act, I, I actually agree. You prefer Casino I, I, They're both brilliant. I think they're uh, both, you know, if there's a five-star uh, uh, movie, those are both five-star no. movies. But, no. uh, you know, the older I get, the more I appreciate that Casino is doing something a little different, and I think it's even more exciting in some well, ways. What's really fun about sort of... Something Like It Hot was number 38, it okay. was tied with a boot de souffle, uh, Jean-Luc Godard films. That's, and, uh, that's uh, breathless. Breathless, yeah. yeah. And uh, I wanted to show off my fancy French. Uh, and Rear Window, so that's a hell of a tie. Ooh, all right. Just ahead of Bicycle yeah. Thieves and Rashomon. Ahead of Bicycle Thieves Yeah, and just barely. All right. Like by one point or something. Uh, what's interesting about... Uh, I, I feel like this isn't really brought up... Because Scorsese's talked about endlessly, but I feel like this isn't brought up a lot. Hmm. Uh, if you watch Scorsese's crime movies, yeah. you start with Mean Streets, and you go through... Oh, before uh, Mean Streets, Boxcar well, Birth, and uh, Who's That Knocking at My Door, I think about You start with Mean Streets. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was uh, setting up an arc here. Oh, I'm sorry. And you follow through films like uh, Goodfellas, and then through Casino, and then all the way up to The Irishman. 
you'll see something very interesting happening because those films are going to appeal to you depending on your age because they all kind of reflect Scorsese at what age he was at when he was making them. Mm -hmm. Uh, You watch something like, compare The Irishman to Mean Streets. Oh yeah, those are very different. Mean Streets is about young toughs who are very hot-headed and they're out there trying to sort of make make a name for themselves. Irishman is about old men aging out and dying. Yeah. Uh, And how in both cases, the crime is kind of eroding them. Yeah. But they're also about very different things. Mm -hmm. And I think if you're 20 and you watch Mean Streets, Mm -hmm. you're going to enjoy it a lot more than than you are watching The Irishman, which is very slow-paced and very languid and uh, very much about facing mortality. If you're 60, Uh you're probably going to like The Irishman a little bit more than you like Mean Streets, Mm -hmm. because there's more about growing old and mortality. I think you'll still appreciate Mean Streets, but I think you're going to appreciate The Irishman on a more profound level. Yeah, so I I feel like if, if you keep on going back to Scorsese... As you get older and start watching his crime movies, you know, at different ages, you'll get it. You'll start getting more out of them and you'll start sort of seeing which ones feel relevant to you as you go along. Anyway, that's all our letters. Uh, Uh, Physical letters. Physical letters. We have 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 time for a few more emails. All right. Um, Here's a a letter, an email. I've got switching over here from Lindsay. Hello, Lindsay. Uh, Greetings once again, BW and any furry animal companions that happen to be present where are the cats I just saw there's them. two two cats in this yeah, apartment luca's right here hey buddy you want to say hi it's yeah, okay. it's a uh, winter time here in los angeles which means it gets as low as like 55 and uh that's 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 chilly it's ju- it's actually been in like the 40s here well, it's recently. been raining it's a lot yeah. in particular yeah and, and luca but as gets, a result uh, yeah luca in particular gets extra poofy in the winter time yeah we call it his winter fluff yeah so like uh from about november until like late february or early march luca is just just a little, like, little poof ex- ball. extra soft yeah he's so cute love you buddy little squish ball uh, for the end of the year i made a list of some of my favorite pieces of art slash media from 2022 oh, to cool. share and in no particular order uh, a wrestling match. <laughs> Adam Page versus Brian Danielson II for the AEW World Championships AEW Dynamite 1522. After their first epic encounter went to a 60-minute time-limited draw, Adam Page had to prove against his brutal challenger. This sequel attraction managed to surpass the drama of the first while giving Page a career milestone win. Well, uh, shit, I don't those, know what the hell you're talking about, but those that sounds are, yeah, great! Those, those are people who wrestle. I, I watched wrestling in... 1988, uh-huh. I saw Andre the Giant wrestle Jake the Snake Roberts wow, live. That's great. Uh, that's and cool. That's and I kind of gave up after I, that. I, the, the old days of Jake the Snake and Rowdy Roddy Piper. Mm-hmm. Th- that was like my day when I was actually interested in wrestling. And mm-hmm. I have, boy, wrestling is going through some weird shit at this exact moment in time. But uh, I, I, I can't follow it all. Mm-hmm. I, I wish I could. Yeah, uh, but I, well, I it appreciate... became really hard edged at one point. Yeah. Like it used to be really kind of bubbly and cartoony. Yeah, like and, really, and very became, light and child friendly in a lot of ways. Becomes, and, it, I, and I understand these are like guys injuring themselves and slamming their bodies I, into each other. And I respect it's, that it's they're, what they're doing fun. for us. Oh, I respect absolutely. what they're doing for us, and uh, I, I hope they get you know they, they get well taken care of. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's there's a certain magic to it well, to a, know, what wrestling can be. I know they've stepped up recently. A lot of those wrestling institutions, and I know one of them. Uh, and I think this is really cool. Um, if if any of their athletes uh, become addicted, uh, have a problem with addiction, yeah, they will send them to rehab for free. Well, that's good. Uh, if years after they've retired, they also they start like become addicted to something, uh-huh. they will still pay for addiction yeah. recovery. That like they sense. start looking after people like well after well, that's the fact. Nice. Okay. Um, 
Anyway, next up on this list, video game, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. Oh, this Played on the fun. Nintendo Switch. This looked fun. I didn't, get uh, to, I didn't get to play this, but it looked neat. I'm gonna my taste in gaming skews retro with the arcade beat-em-up Turtles in Time. Oh, I love Turtles in Time. One of the Being best! A, a top fiver in my book, Shredder's Revenge was able to capture everything that works about the game, also providing enough new spin on it that, in my opinion, actually surpasses Turtles in Time as a fun gameplay experience. Uh, yeah, the... the just showing my age. That's not retro for me. That's just the games I played. Uh, but yeah, the, those old arcade cabinets of uh, Shredder's Revenge, X Men, and The Simpsons. They all had like similar dynamics. I loved all of those. Well, it was uh, it was cool at the time because you could actually have like four people four players playing at, at the once. Arc- yeah, the cabinet. Really these gigantic neat. cabinets. I always remember the X Men arcade cabinet because they had like a weird collection of X Men. You could be mm. like you'd be like there were like six six or seven. It was quite a few. You'd yeah. be like Storm or Cyclops. Cool. You could be Dazzler. Probably wouldn't make the cut today but nice. Mm. The one I remember was Wolverine because they couldn't figure out how to give Wolverine a distance attack, so he shot lasers out of his claws. Yeah, that's fine. No! <laughs> that's... It's a video game, it doesn't matter. No, <laughs> come on, just give him like a jumping attack or something. He, he, like, like... He, he waved his fists really quick and this big sort of like shockwave appeared in front of him. It wasn't a laser. Oh, I, no, I, I remember it really was a laser. It was not a laser. There was a look, laser. Look up the gameplay, it's not a laser. You're a laser. The, the one that, uh, the character I liked to play was Nightcrawler. Oh yeah, Nightcrawler rule. And uh, yeah, they had it like a, a punch, a jump, and then a third button, which was your mutant attack. And yeah. uh, that like cleared off the screen briefly. Yeah. Of, of all enemies. And uh, Nightcrawler, you'd, you'd hit it and he could teleport, but what he did was just sort of like turn into a laser and he'd zip back and forth across the screen and wipe mm. out a oh, bunch of people. Oh, you punch people real fast. Sure. What? <laughs> all right. Uh, anyway, next up, a movie. Okay. Uh, RRR. Ah, Simply movie. put, RRR crafted a rainbow out of impossibly epic action, suspense, romances, bromances, comedy, singing, and dancing, betrayal and triumph, and beamed it directly into the pleasure center of my brain. Uh... For everybody who loved RRR, that's the tip of the iceberg. There's so much more uh, yeah. Indian cinema to explore. But it's I'm like not th- this is just like that... one example of that yeah. kind of movie. Uh, no, no one should begrudge you that if this is your first sample of it, yeah. enjoy. But yeah, there's more, and, yeah, I, don't, and don't, I need to do that diligence. I'd be don't, honest. Don't don't. I encourage people not to think that this is like some sort of weird exception yeah. and that this is the only chance they're going to get to see something like this because there's a lot more like it and it's actually yeah. opening a door for you. Uh, a song, Love Me More by Mitski from Laurel Hell. Okay. L- lyrically, Love Me More spoke directly to a need I had in my heart and helped pull me out of an especially crushing bout of depression. Wow. But also, it's just a bop. It's very 80s, very dancey sort of pop rock and it slaps. I will have to listen and to that. I'm 44. Um, pop music is way above my head at this point mm. um, i'm rarely in places where young people hang out and i don't yeah. organically absorb pop music anymore so it's mm. it's a difficult i like i have to actively seek out stuff now I, I, I make a point of listening to terrestrial radio yeah, because they have yeah. to play the most mainstream stuff in order to get people you know mm. listening uh and uh, yeah just in my car listen to terrestrial radio and um, okay good yeah there's, there's there's some good stuff now mm. it's also you know a lot of a lot of pablum because it's well there's it's always hot, there's always been music, bu- there's always so, been yeah. bubblegum but yeah, yeah. um an album renaissance by beyonce mm. how does an artist follow up after crafting one of the most celebrated pop albums of the 2000s in beyonce's case she took us back to the club renaissance is equal parts empowerment and entertainment you just can't help but shake your tushy to nice yeah it doesn't get much better than beyonce mm. I, I I am indifferent to Beyonce. Uh, 
She did that single ladies song, right? Well, that was like 20 years ago now, yeah. but yeah. I hate that song. What? I, I loathe that song what? with a passion. What happened? It, it, it drills into my brain and, and, and makes oh, my teeth set on age. I, I do not like the single ladies song. Okay. Do you, um, do you, do you like... Um, mo- most of... Beyonce yeah. like came in this weird... Came in this pocket like right when I stopped paying attention to pop music. Ah. So it's like... A lot of her more popular things were just things I ran into later on, or just sort of mm. heard on sound systems at stores. And it's like, oh, that—that's oh, that's Beyonce. Like it, it, I understand she's one of the biggest pop pop acts of all time, but mm-hmm. the biggest pop act of all time are things that have always passed me by. Yeah. So it's, uh, I mean, you've, just you've sort heard, of in, you've in heard keeping like, with you've what heard I like do. Lemonade, right? That's an album, uh, maybe. Uh, oh, I've, dude, I've, I, haven't, I haven't listened to any of her albums. You should, like, you should listen to Lemonade. End. Just listen to Lemonade beginning yeah. to end. I think you're really gonna love it. Like my, my the first time I was really made cognizant of of Beyonce was when she was in movies. Yes, uh, she had. So a, she, she, she started she a, acting and was yeah. in, in a couple of films. She was in that Austin Powers movie. It's like she oh, was, she that, was fun. That movie. That, that's that's how I know who Beyonce is is because okay. she was in a movie. So uh, yeah. That uh, it, it's not a, anything against her in particular. It's just because I I have a lot of trouble ho- hooking into the Pop popular music. popular yeah, gestalt. It. It's fine. We'll, we'll let it go. So she's just one of like hundreds. Um, television series: Star Trek: Strange New Worlds yeah, on Paramount Plus. The glut of new Star Trek we've gotten so far has been such a mixed bag. So when Strange New Worlds released, it was such a breath of fresh air. The show captures the playful spirit of the original series, the great diverse cast of Deep Space Nine, and the compelling storytelling of the Next Generation. It's a love letter to Trek fans, and I am here for it. I very much look forward to hearing y'all's best of lists next week, as of this writing, hmm. and I'll get around to a worst of list. Those are always awesome too. Uh, here's to a happy and prosperous 2020. Three, Lindsay. Thank you, Lindsay. Yeah, yeah it was a good. That, that was a good one. Um, we don't do other art because I don't know about you. I don't have time to keep up with all of it. Oh, I, I mean, I, I I look at like what I my, wish. Uh, I, yeah. I wish I could read more books. That's been my uh, yeah. sort of if if I have a, a New Year's. I don't have time for any it. of it. Honestly, there's so much great music out there. There's so much great TV. Like I really want to watch Yellow Jackets. I haven't had a chance to even start it. Yeah. Like I keep hearing about all this amazing art, and I've you know I'm a film critic. I have to. I have to focus on what I do for a living, you know, yeah. like this is the life I chose, but uh, yeah, there's yeah. always so much great stuff. Um, here's a letter from Dan. Okay. Hey, Dan, hey, Dan. Uh, two bibs and Whitney. You'll probably have lots of emails coming to talk about the best films of the year, but I would like to like, circle back to an earlier episode of Crit- critical acclaimed where you were talking about the film living. Uh, the, the remake of EQ. Yeah. Um, I've not seen EQ. Okay. And although I am aware of its themes and its place in film history, I don't know the plot beat by beat, so I'm afraid I may have to take Whitney to task here, because after having seen Living, I don't think his review did much to enlighten upon the film. I went back and listened to the review again just to make sure I wasn't being too harsh, but I unfortunately agree with my earlier thoughts of frustration. The whole review essentially treats Living in comparison to Ikiru, therefore providing very little judgment on the film itself. That is to say, there was no discussion of tone, of atmosphere, any remarks in the cinematography or the score. Uh, Well... I, I I copped to that in my review. I said yeah. I was too familiar with Ikiru to see anything beyond the beat by beat remake that well, this was. Well, let's make that point at the end of the. But the uh, yeah, the letter keep, goes on. Uh, I agree there's an interesting conversation to be had about remakes and their fidelity to the original and of their worthiness, but when reviewing such a film, this should be in addition to the conversation, not the whole part of it. Just as I believe Whitney says uh, that films in a franchise should stand on their own without the context of what came before, we must allow these films the ability to stand alone as a text unto themselves when analyzing critiquing them. An approach which wholly ignored Ikiru may be a bad one, but a review review that is too blindsided by the original 
to not once mention anything beyond the classic premise, uh-huh. and the performance of Bill Nye is perhaps more disappointing. I hate to write an email just cr- to criticize you guys when I truly love what you do, and I know that you're capable of amazingly thoughtful and interesting discussions, so when something like this happens, it just stands out more. Then again, maybe I'm off the mark here. Uh, is this a valid critique, or did I simply wake up on the wrong side of the bed this morning? Your faithful listener from the UK, Dan. Uh, oh. No, I... I I've, wholly accept that criticism that, um, that's, that's a criticism that's not yeah, that's, that's you you made your choices and you chose yeah. to like focus on in your review a certain angle mm. uh but to, to argue that that angle left things out that's fair that's t- totally fair yeah um uh this is actually it's it's long been a philosophy of mine that if a new remake is coming out or a new sequel mm-hmm. Uh, or an adaptation of a book. Mm-hmm. My philosophy has always been to go see the movie first. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't do homework beforehand. Don't see the yeah. original. Don't see the previous inst- uh, Although you may already have. That, you may already like, have. Don't go out but, of your yeah. way is your philosophy. If you haven't yeah. yet, don't. Uh, let the film stand on its own. And uh, the problem is, and I, I said this, the problem with a film like Living is it's too faithful to the original. So mm-hmm. I was unable to separate it from the actual moods and tones and beats from the original. I think it uh, is. So, it's like trying to criticize both versions of Funny Games, yeah. which is pretty much shot for shot made by the same filmmaker. I, I think it's not quite like that, but you know that's sort of the realm I'm in. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think what you were getting at, and maybe you could have articulated it more clearly, mm-hmm. I'd have to go back and listen to the review. Is if you are familiar with the original Ikiru, this will be potentially your response. Yeah, and because it is a famous movie and it is, you know, considered one of the greatest ever made, uh, there's a decent chance you are. Yeah, not guaranteed, but there's a chance. Um, I think what you did actually is interesting because, and we've all done this, I think, mm-hmm. um, because you were so intimately familiar with the original source material. Um, that became a big part of your review was sort of a compare contrast or in your case just compare because they didn't differ very much Uh, and I think you fell into like the Whitney Seibold version of (laughs) yeah but I read the original Spider-Man comic and let me tell you what this movie did like and I think and I think that's fair because as a critic we we, it, it seems like a nice idea to be for a critic to be able to approach every film the same way it feels kind of objective but we're all human beings we all have our different uh, experiences and predilections, and there will be up times when we are intimately familiar with everything going into a movie, and there'll be times where we're going in completely cold, and there'll be times when there's a big mixture. Uh, I got a film I'm going to be reviewing on the next episode of Critically Acclaimed, and I hope you have a chance to review it too, uh, Sheen Ultraman, mm. uh, which is an adaptation of the Ultraman uh, massive multimedia franchise dating back about 60 years at this point. Um, and it was a franchise that I was not particularly familiar with, you know? So I wasn't going cold, but I'd seen some of the original and I could recognize, I see kind of what they're doing, but I Mm. cannot feign expertise. Yeah. I thought that was an interesting kind of middle place to be in. Yeah. Uh, whereas, you know, you watch Shin Godzilla, you've seen literally all the Godzilla movies, you're coming in from a place of expertise. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's... it's interesting, and yeah, I think uh, yeah. it, 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 we we can't approach every movie the same way because we're all different people. Right, right. So, um, I apologize for not doing critical due diligence. Bill Nye's performance is wonderful. Mm. Um, I I find the I think I did say this in my review that the tone of nineteen fifties England mm-hmm. uh, does bring a certain kind of. Um, a different kind of personality than nineteen fifties mm. Japan. Yeah, uh, just sort of the the self deprecating uh national humors of 1950s england mm. informs uh the the sort of 
uh, the, the, the story of the main character and how he's dying. Uh, and both, however, do take place in a very particular corner of society that is dictated by a certain kind of, uh, at least as the filmmakers present them, mm. a certain kind of uh, uh, repression where uh, it's impolite to mention your own personal problems too loudly. Yeah. And that's true in both Ikiru and in Living. It just feels slightly different because yeah. one is in England. Um but yeah, it's this is a case of I read the comics. Uh, they they changed this too much, or uh, like the Harry Potter thing. This compares to the book a little bit yeah. too closely, or, or differs or from the book in this way. Or it's way. so faithful that it's hardly worth talking about. Yeah, you know, yeah. which is also an issue. Um, I, I, the other thing I'll say uh, in regards to this, and again, it wasn't addressed to me, but uh, I appreciate. Uh, uh, reasonable criticism of criticism because criticism is itself an art form. Mm. Uh, not necessarily the most popular of art forms, but it is an art form in, unto itself. And we would be massive hypocrites if we couldn't accept, at the very least, reasonable mm. criticism. There's unreasonable criticism, and I think everyone should ignore the unreasonable criticism because it's not about you yeah. at that point. Like, if you're just really railing on a movie at that at some point it stops being about the movie and starts being more about mm. you getting something out there and i don't think a filmmaker would need to internalize that uh but this is a this is a somewhat reasonable critique yeah. uh and i and i respect that and yeah we we want people to take our criticism seriously and we take yours oh, yeah. seriously so, so, take, so uh, appreciate you writing out and being very very yeah, no, uh, th- respectful th- about it that no th- cool. thanks for yeah. calling me out on that yeah. because you know i, I don't want just if I don't get criticism, I don't know if I'm doing anything wrong. So um, that that's yeah. it's good good to know, and I'll, I'll have to keep that in mind when something similar happens. You yeah. know, bringing my own, maybe too much of my own experience. Into well, you, you don't want to you don't want to seem dismissive. You know, you yeah. don't want to make sure you engage with it, even if mm-hmm. you know you feel like it's been kind of been, been sad. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's fair. It's also worth remembering that like a remake is going to be someone's first experience with it, and you may want to engage like it's the first time. Yeah, you know. Um, but anyway, that that is it for we've got. Mail. Oh, you know what? We we got one while we're, we're sitting oh, here reading. Oh, you got it under the so wire. Got got that's, one while we were sitting here reading. We have a rule. That's our rule. That if we receive an email while we're recording the email episode, we have to read that one. We right have away. to read that one. So yes. um, we, we have one more. We have one more. Uh, Let's it's, do it. It's going to be a little long, but whatever. Um, okay. I, I don't mind. Uh, this is from B. Peterson. Oh, hi. Hello, B. Hi, Peterson. B. Peterson. We're j- just talking me. about her. Um, uh, oh, this is a script. So I guess. Um, I think this is supposed to be read by both of us. Oh dear! So uh, maybe we can both look at look at my telephone here. Let me take uh, a quick look here. What are we, what are we looking yeah. at? <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, I tell you what, I'm going to forward this to me <laughs> so we can actually do this properly. Yeah, let's let's uh, okay. do that. Hold Big on. project right at the last minute. Okay, I love let's it. Let's do it. Okay, hang on a second. All right. Yeah. In the meantime, I'm going to play with uh, with my Gonzo figurine here. Okay. You know, if I pop off Gonzo's head, I All can right. put Camilla. On his neck. Oh, now he has a chicken for a head. Oh, I'm sure he'd prefer it. Yeah. Yeah, because he's weird. He's gonzo. <laughs> uh, let me just check my email here. Vamp. Everyone vamp. <laughs> I was. I was talking about gonzo. No more, damn it. Yeah. Now, gonzo was always my favorite Muppet. Uh, hmm. Just uh, he, he was the weird one. and I, I, I always felt like I was the weird one, too. Okay, I got this. Okay. Oh, look, I, I didn't notice this about my gonzo figurine. Uh, hmm. he, he's got the shoes. Like a little square oh, Lego does. feet has he, like uh, Gonzo's little little shoe feet. His little loafers. Uh, All right. So, uh, would you like to play part? Uh, would you like to play B, or uh, would you like to play uh, the other character here? Oh, jeez. Uh, okay, I'll 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 be B. All right. So, uh, 
I guess, yeah, this is the letter. It's a script for both of us to read. Yeah, so and you, and, and, you, and we apologize with, uh, that the letters, the actual physical letters never arrived. I don't know what to say about Yeah, it that. says that's this letter originally sucks. sent as an actual yeah. physical letter consisting of two scripts that Whitney, uh, that Bibbs and Whitney would do a table read of, sent it twice, neither letter arrived. So, yeah, I don't know what, what the deal yeah, is. We haven't gotten Really it. sorry about that. That's yeah. We didn't get it. Um, okay, so here we go. Uh, Hey, Bibbs. Whitney, B here with someone I'd like you to meet. Hey, I'm B's girlfriend. And she's real, has a name and everything. It's true, though. Like with me, that's private, so we're going to go with A. A and B. Ab for short. Or Ba. Abba. Abba. Waterloo. Uh, this letter's structure was her idea, not mine. I regret nothing. I enjoyed your podcast on the Sight and Sound poll, which I listened to with B. We stopped partway through Bib, uh, when Bibbs got to Portrait of a Lady on Fire on his list because B decided I had to sit down and see it. We finished the podcast afterwards. And what did you think? A good choice for a top ten. Care to elaborate? Very romantic. Loved the use of music, a good Orpheus and Eurydice allegory. Loved the fact that there are basically no men. I enjoyed how it related the acts of portraiture and getting to know someone. All right. And what did you think of the podcast? Very engaging. Fun to listen to. Thorough. I want to go back and see the films you mentioned that I hadn't seen as they were very well advertised. One of the films y'all mentioned she had already, uh, she'd seen already thanks to my introducing it to her, namely Goodbye Dragon Inn, which you're welcome, by the way. <laughs> it keeps coming back. Yeah. I also introduced to Whitney. That's right. I, I would not have watched Goodbye Dragon Inn when I did had I not done it for a podcast I was doing with B. Uh, that's Whitney breaking yeah. character. Sorry, I was breaking character. Yeah, there. So back, back in character. Now. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, back in character. B wanted to write this letter so uh, she could point this fact out. Again, I regret nothing. Though, it's also true that I wanted to show off that A, I have a girlfriend now, and B, she's got amazing taste in film, and C, oh. has an absolutely fantastic selection of films for her personal sight and sound list. Oh, you guys are so sweet and disgusting. Uh, well, I'm quite fond of them anyway. <laughs> you can find my much-labored-over official list on my socials. The alt choices I've made for this letter, however, are a bit more spicy. <laughs> They're ordered alphabetically, except for the last three, my numbers three, two, and one. My list, ordered alphabetically in full, consists of personally significant films that take full advantage of the medium in order to construct a heightened reality, generating strong emotions for their viewers. It's so good, you guys! You're gonna love it! Sigh. Uh, A's list. I guess I'll read A's yeah, list. Yeah, I think you should read um, A's list. A's list. The Adventures of Robin Hood, 1938. Color that stands out in my memory as more vibrant than that of any film before or since. Yes. Yeah. It's... it's I'm not a big, like, action picture guy, yeah. but when it comes to action, this is the kind of action I like. Something that's, like, lusty and fun and upbeat. The, this is know? one of the best action movies ever made, yeah. and you're right about the color. I remember back before we had, like, um, uh, HD televisions, like, hmm. cathode ray tubes could not handle Will Scarlet's album. <laughs> it could not. It would, <laughs> like, fuzz out yeah, cathode it would be, ray it tubes. Wild, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, the Beauty, uh, Beauty and the Beast, 1946, the Jean Cocteau movie. Uh, light bearing arms, smoke seeping from the faces on a fireplace, and flowing white curtains, all paired with that mysterious score. Yeah, that that's a great film too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, Bride of Frankenstein. This this is all bangers here. Yeah. Um, Ave Maria's first few notes when the creature finds the blind hermit, and the dramatic lighting on Clive and Thessinger's faces during the creation scene. <sighs> <laughs> oh, bliss. Uh, the Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, 1920. Uh, the complete disdain for 90-degree angles makes it as dreamlike as live-action can be. That's a good point, yeah. Uh, Fantastic Planet. This was on my list as well. Yeah. Uh, 1973, René Laloux. Uh, the tendrilled organic fixtures of the film's alien landscape that make it such an inspiring tactile time. A Hard Day's Night, 1964. Mm. A continuous stream of playful quips plus a wholesome sincerity of the gang's early music. It's sublime. It's really... I, I mean, That's a great movie. 
it, it's difficult not to feel joy when watching I, a hard I, day's I, night. I, I, I can't imagine someone watching that movie and like stone face. Like, you got to at least smirk, yes, right? Ugh. Yeah. The the bit where John is in the tub and he sings Rue Britannia while he's like, <laughs> Rue Britannia, he's like smashing the ships. Yeah. Makes me laugh every time. Adorable. Uh, ooh, this is a good choice. The Man Who Laughs, mm. 1928, Paul Lenny. Uh, the contrast of that perpetual forced grin and Veidt's tortured eyes is the most powerful representation of the of the desire to be loved. You know, this is one of the very few, like, all-time horror classics like that are on, like, the books that uh-huh. I've never seen. You haven't seen The Man Who Laughs? I, I, I've uh, seen bits, obviously. I know the, the imagery, yeah, but uh, no, I've never yeah. actually sat down with it, and I really need to. Yeah. I'm going to do that this year. Uh, yeah, the man who laughs is yeah. the man who laughs uh, came at sort of the tail end of the silent era, so yeah. it's kind of like the height of silent filmmaking. They had mastered everything by then, uh, so yeah, really big, elaborate production. There's like ships, and it's this kind mm. of fairy tale story of this young boy who was attacked when he was a young uh, young man and had a smile carved into his face. Yeah, and now he uh, can only make a living as a performer. And of course, when even when he feels sad, he smiles. And um, yeah, if you're if you're uh, wondering, yeah, the Joker was a ripoff of this. The Joker, yeah, the, actually the, a ripoff. I think it was Bob Kane or Bill Finger uh, who, who was creating I think it was, Bob, the I think it was Bill Finger who did the Joker. But, yeah. um, but yeah, the the look of the Joker and that sort of character was mm. the character of Gwynplaine from uh, from The Man Who Laughs. And yeah. But yeah, The Man Who Laughs is just terrific. Mm. Uh, let's see, there's uh, three more. Uh, Princess Mononoke, 1997. Ugh, transformative movie. <laughs> the visceral, titanic, and complex struggle between a natural, unknowable world and its ever-human industrialization. It's so fucking great. I love that uh, movie. Seven Samurai yeah. in 1954. The emphasis on protecting life despite possessing both the ability and the need to do others harm. Ooh, that's a good angle, actually. I love that. I love I love your take on all these movies. Yeah. I, yeah. And uh, and The Seventh Seal, 1957. Of course, The Seventh Seal. <laughs> uh, never has there been a livelier story about death. I, I will say one thing in response to that. Bill and Ted's bogus journey, slightly livelier. <laughs> Not saying it's better, maybe a little livelier. Well, because I think there's uh, a slight difference between challenging death to a chess game mm. and challenging death to Twister. <laughs> One is a more lively to, game. To, to be fair, Bill and Ted's bogus journey was just lifting from the seventh. Oh, of course. Was from the, uh, <laughs> I'm not pretending. From the seventh seal. Yeah. But but amazing uh, movie, amazing movie. Yeah, no, Seven no Seals great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I jest you know, slightly, but yeah, faith and death and uh, existentialism in mm. in medieval times. Yeah, it's just really really beautiful. Yeah, I think maybe we should have switched characters because Bees List is so much more your movies. All right, <laughs> here we go. Bees List. Uh, After the rehearsal, Ingmar Bergman. Well, she's been going through. Yeah. Uh, she got the Ingmar Bergman Ingmar Bergman box set. Uh, the Criterion put yeah. out. I have that one too. And they've been going through. And it, like, I've been going through been it going systematically. Through it, like, yeah. and, and, um, Great Twitter thread. Follow follow yeah. B. Peterson on on Twitter because her Twitter thread yeah, about Blue, all the Bergman films uh, is really uh, enlightening. At, at Blue Gray Closet is, yeah. is B. Peterson is uh, her Twitter handle. But yeah, she's been going through all of the Bring, Ingmar Bergman films as they've been curated in the box. Yeah, because uh, the they're criteria, not in chronological order, which is odd. It's odd, but what they've been doing is is doing like very specific double features with each mm-hmm. disc. There's two movies on each one, and they're sort of thematically paired. So they're kind of like picking and choosing yeah, throughout yeah. Bergman's career rather than just doing a straight I, chronological. I, exciting. I think is more interesting. I think it's exciting, and, and Criterion is one of the very few uh, publishers that would actually trust to do that. Yeah, yeah. But in any case, uh, after the rehearsal, a Bergman stand-in talks shop with muses past and present, unable to admit that, even in his dreams, he is getting too old for this. I haven't seen after. I haven't seen like yeah, some of these later ones. Eighty four. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Emma, two thousand and nineteen. Pablo Lorraine. Uh, a dancer uses queer sex to orgasmically undo the nuclear family, ultimately rebuilding it in her own image. 
Well, I remember when it came out, but I missed it. Yeah. Uh, An Elephant Sitting Still by Hu Bo. It's a beautiful movie. Various disaffected working class citizens endure a day of miseries. The ensemble eventually seeks some grudging solace together as everything else has failed. <laughs> Losing Ground, Kathleen okay. Collins, 1982. Uh, a philosophy professor and her artist husband take a vacation in upstate New York for the summer where professional and personal fishers crack a jar. <laughs> I've, I've not have, seen that one. Have, have you seen an elephant sitting still? No. It, it, even though I keep pushing on you. <laughs> yeah, I think it's. I think it's one of the reasons yeah. why I haven't it's, actually. <laughs> Look, you're trying too hard. Subscribe to Ovid. Okay, it's on Ovid. All right, it's four hours long. It's it's a, a, a litany of working class misery, mm. and it's also a work of genius. All right, here we go. Uh, Lumiere, 2016. Thierry Frameau, uh, 108 restored Lumiere films shot between 1895 and 1905 are presented with Thierry Frameau's narration offering historical and technical context. Ooh. That sounds really interesting, actually. I don't... I think I'd yeah. heard of that. I didn't realize how in-depth it was. Okay. Uh, Lumiere I've Brothers seen, made yeah. some of the, the very earliest films, and they were like 60 seconds each for the most part. And I've, and I've seen a lot of those. That's I, mean, I think if you go to film school, you kind of have to watch some Lumiere yeah. shorts. There's but, a great documentary yeah. that would be probably be a good double feature with that called Lumiere and Company, mm-hmm. uh, which is not only a documentary about the Lumiere Brothers and the, their films, but also uh, gave modern filmmakers an opportunity to use one of their original cameras yeah. to make movies the Lumiere way. And some people did some really interesting stuff. David Lynch's is... Ex- as you might expect, weird. <laughs> All right, here we go. Meshes of the Afternoon. Oh, my Darren. Yeah. My Darren and Alexander Hamid. Uh, a woman wanders through her house again and again, straining to escape her framing to unlock herself. This, I think, was the highest ranked short film on the Sight and Sound poll. Pretty sure, yeah. yeah and, well, my, one I my, and, and Meshes of the Afternoon is... It's another one of those film school things. Everybody yeah. watches it if I, you go to film school. Apparently I didn't, so... You haven't I, seen, it's 40 no. minutes, just saying. I'm not saying... I'm not saying I didn't have the time. <laughs> I'm right. saying it wasn't presented to me in film school. Oh, okay. Uh, Where Does Your Hidden Smile Live? Pedro not, Costa. I've not seen this one. Jean-Marie Straub and Danielle Huillet uh, seated in the editing bay for their latest film, Debate Which Frames to Cut On. Oh. <laughs> okay, that sounds fascinating. Okay, uh, three... This is the top three now. Yeah. Janine, Cheryl Denier, nine minutes. Cheryl Denier talks to camera, telling of a childhood friendship with a white girl that profoundly affected how she saw herself. Um, uh, B and I talked about this one on our podcast as well, because we talked about uh, mm. the Cheryl Denier shorts that mm. were on, on Ovid. Yeah. And, uh, the, the podcast we did was called All About Ovid with all O's, and we were just watching what was on Ovid, the streaming service, because it's a great streaming service. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and we watched some of Cheryl Denier's shorts uh, when we talked about The Watermelon Woman. Yeah, which is a great and, fucking uh, movie. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah, this was an interest. It was just... Her shorts are all very confessional. They're all mm. about sort of her personal life. And uh, mm. yeah, this was about sort of an early crush of hers. And I'm uh, surprised B latched onto this as strong as she did. Uh, yeah. Here we go. Uh, Jared Carmichael Rothaniel, directed by Bo Burnham uh, from just last year. Jared Carmichael playing the Blue Note Jazz Club intimately explores how and why family members hold secrets from one another. Is that a stand-up special? I think so. All right. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I missed it. I've heard great things. Uh, right. And then uh, number one, Day Residue from 2016 uh, by Lynn Sachs. Only two minutes long. A sunny, silent afternoon spent in and around mm-hmm. Lynn Sachs' uh, childhood home. Uh, B says. Oh. oh yeah, the the script continues, my friend. Uh, excuse me. 
I want to talk a bit more about my number one pick, but first, isn't A's list so cool? I love her observation on Seven Samurai in particular. We commented on that. Yeah. Also, notice how their list was has not a measly single entry more than 40 years old, but nine? <laughs> uh, ah, but did you notice that B's list included films not directed by men, while mine did not? I need to see some research on such films, as I've not been exposed to that many to choose from. Yeah, that's common. Uh, that's a commonplace. A lot of yeah. people are working on that. Uh, I think together our lists balance out nicely, both solidifying the status of genuine classics and proposing new works for the canon. Speaking of which, why is my best film of all time a two-minute silent montage of shots of a house? Well, in its grasping at the most fleeting of moments, where light fell just right on a coffee table and plant leaves. Without sound, or context, or narrative, Day Residue is not just images over time, it is images triumphing over time's washing away of all things. Day Residue is a memory preserved, and is that not cinema's highest calling? You see why I love her. Oh, stop it, huh? <laughs> all right, we've surely taken <laughs> sufficient time. They spelled Sort of like Harley Quinn. Well, they spelled it S-T-A-W-H-P, so <laughs> I had stop. to emphasize uh, all right, we've surely taken sufficient time by now, so we'll head out. Thanks for taking the time. You too. See you around. Happy New Year, Abba. Abba. Nice. That was that was adorable. I'm glad we did that. Um, oh, you you um, guys are so cute. I'm really happy for you both. You both oh, have great taste I, in movies. Oh my gosh, you're so adorable. I'm gonna yeah. barf. Um, <laughs> no, the, the, that, those are both really excellent lists. That's cool. uh, B has some of the more interesting tastes yeah. of of really anyone I've met, and um, yeah. Uh, I, I aspire to have more sophisticated taste, and I always let myself down. Uh, yeah. No, no, I, I, I agree uh, but, actually, and I they their their podcast network, which mm-hmm. isn't is currently not functioning, but yeah, it, yeah. or they're not producing new stuff, uh, was one of the most ambitious I've seen, and I think it's one of the more exciting yeah. and. Uh, I, I'm always excited yeah. to see what they're doing with themselves. Uh, so, yeah, always a pleasure to hear from them. Yeah. As as for Lynn Sachs, uh, she and I talked to Lynn Sachs. Oh, that's right. Uh, we had, like, an interview with Lynn Sachs and, yeah, um, yeah kind of got to talk about uh, Lynn Sachs sort of growing up in, in sort of this bohemian lifestyle and becoming a filmmaker and making these movies that are all very personal and very sort of confessional. Uh, let me look up some uh, uh, some of her films. Drawn and Quartered, uh, mm. Still Life with Woman and Four Objects. Uh, investigation of a flame was really interesting there she did a film about uh, a copy of a latin translation of winnie the pooh uh, that had sort of passed through family members and she looked back into her family and discovered some very uh very um dramatic things about her own family it was really exciting because i actually have that same copy of winnie the pooh that's translated into latin i studied latin in, in high school um but yeah she's been she's very very prolific she makes a lot of really interesting um uh yeah, like personal documentaries. That sounds great. Well, anyway, thank you for writing in. Uh, I'm I'm glad we finally got to that. I'm bummed we didn't get the physical copies. Maybe they'll, they'll just show up someday, and we'll have to yeah, do it like, all over like again. Like mid-April or something. But uh, thank you once again, and thank you everybody who wrote in. Uh, if, once again, if you'd like to write in, our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. You don't have to write in with your top ten of all time or your top ten of the year list, but we do love rating them. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's always a pleasure. Whitney, what is our P.O. Box? Uh, yeah, send us the our, our physical letters to uh, the Critically Acclaimed Network, P.O. Box 641565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we're on Twitter, at Critical Acclaim. I'm at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibel. If you want to listen to this podcast and all of our other new podcasts, Podcasts without any commercial interruptions. You can head on over to patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. We also have a lot 
of exclusive programming over there, including our podcast Only the Best, where we're reviewing every single film ever nominated for Best Picture and Best International Feature. We just did a film uh, called The Walls of Malapaga, which... (laughs) Nobody remembers, but it was worth tracking down. Oh, we did commentary it, tracks. Oh, really, really interesting, very European. Very yeah, European. Yeah. Uh, we do commentary tracks as well. It's not all hoity-toity. We did, just did a commentary track for Monster Trucks. Uh, <laughs> the Nickelodeon movie. The Nickelodeon movie, not like oh. the concept of Monster Trucks. Uh, we have our Star Trek podcast, All Our Yesterdays. We review every single episode of Star Trek in order. Uh, we've got our Step Up podcast, which is coming back. Uh, we took a bit of a break for the holidays. Uh, and tons of other stuff as well. We do Discord hangouts, trivia nights. It's a lot of fun. So thank you to all of our patrons over at patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network if you can afford uh, to join us. We'd love to have you because we're doing a lot of fun stuff over there. Anyway, thank you, everybody, once again. Sincerely yours, Bibbs and Whitney. Whitney, I thought he might say his name. No.